as the first. In Tennessee, a hand surgeon is killed by his patient. In Missouri, a man stabs a deputy with a screwdriver, and a dad in Maine drowns while trying to save his teen daughters. These stories and more coming at you today, Monday, July 17th, on Real Life Real Crime Daily, and I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. What up? Fellas. What up? Everybody survived their weekend in one yeah. piece, it looks like. Yes. Well, we'll sort see of. if I'm not in jail in Rapids Paris at the time this airs. Did you try on your mouse costume over the weekend? You said you were going to go back and see if it still fit and, oh, and all that. Mouse costume. You Chuck, that. Your Chuck E. Cheese costume? You didn't, you, know, you didn't try that on again? No, Michael. Well, after, 16 years old. After making hey, that public it, announcement. I thought it was a great right. job for a 16-year-old. Right, See, my parents made me work. Free pizza? Do what? Did you get to eat free pizza? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I, I can't remember if that was the policy or if we just did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the leftover shit. I, I, but I definitely yeah, didn't I pay for it. it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that access to the food at Chuck E. Cheese is yeah, right. considered. <laughs> the beer like, would have been. Considered yeah. 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 That's yeah. the only reason I ever went to a kid's party at Chuck E. Cheese, because they had beer. Yeah. 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 I'm shocked they got away with that. Yeah, serving the beer. Well, they do it. At they do it World, at Burger so. King in the Philly airport. Yeah, you, you do it there. Do it everywhere. All right, let's get into some crime, crime time. A Missouri man has been accused of stabbing a deputy in the chest with a screwdriver. Now, best on. two people actually face charges after assaulting a deputy and resisting arrest in a standoff last week that lasted several hours. Uh, a deputy performed a traffic stop in a driveway at the scene and without provocation. Nicholas Davis exited the house, shouted at the deputy, and aggressively approached the deputy while carrying a large flathead screwdriver. There's no reason he should be dead. The deputy told Davis to move away, but Davis did not comply. As a result, the deputy sprayed Davis with pepper spray in an act of apparent self-defense. I would say it was apparent self-defense. The deputy attempted to arrest Davis, but he spun around and struck the deputy in the chest with the screwdriver. Davis dropped the screwdriver, and the deputy attempted to arrest Davis again. Then a second individual, Amanda Davis, reportedly came out of the home, lunged towards the deputy, grabbed him by the neck, and attempted to pull the deputy away from Nicholas. Mm. The deputy got to safety as Amanda and Nicholas Davis went back inside the home, so he called in the SWAT team, and a canine deputy responded as well. They formed a perimeter around the home and ordered the suspects to exit. Nicholas Davis came outside approximately five hours after negotiation began with the deputies. Officials reportedly told him to show his hands, get on the ground, but he refused the orders and continued to move towards them. A SWAT deputy fired beanbag rounds and hit him three times. Deputies tried to take Nicholas Davis into custody again, but again, he resisted. The sheriff's office eventually deployed a canine to bite his leg, which eventually allowed deputies to arrest him. Amanda Davis then comes outside shortly after, and she was also taken to custody. They transported Nicholas Davis to a local hospital, and he will face charges, obviously, in that case, as well as Amanda Davis, who was facing charges of resisting, interfering with arrest 
for a felony. She does remain in jail without bond. Lucky to be alive, and that guy must have had his vest on, or you would hear mm-hmm. about his injuries. And so I know law enforcement out there, it's hot, and you don't want to wear your vest, especially this time of the year, but you can't get away with it like I used to back in the day because mm-hmm. – the state of these idiots. Good dog. Yeah, great dog. Great dog. And it's just craziness. All right. You want to hear some sick shit? I mean, just total violation of everything. A middle school principal was arrested in a sting operation when he allegedly tried to meet up with a 16-year-old for sex in a remote area. 55-year-old Daniel Erickson started communicating on Snapchat with a 16-year-old student and allegedly made statements and eventually overt actions to indicate he was going to engage in sexual conduct with the minor. He allegedly posed as a younger adult. I believe they call that catfishing. And then used his position as the Johnson City Middle School principal and school district database information to convince the 16-year-old who he really was. Erickson and the teen had allegedly been speaking for about a week prior to the scheduled meetup on July the 7th. He made multiple attempts to meet with her, including going to her home. The teen, however, did not leave her house to meet him. On July 5th, the Broome County Sheriff's Office learned about Erickson's alleged intentions to see the teen, and after that point, there was no further risk of harm to the juvenile female at any time. Detectives went to the location where Erickson and the teen were supposed to meet and arrested him on charges of lewd, I'm sorry, of luring a child and attempted rape. He reportedly brought, guess what, condoms mm-hmm. and... Here's the real kicker. A McDonald's Grimace Shake and Chicken Nuggets. Eric has been with the school district 24 years and an administrator for 20. has been held without bond. He's there 20 years oh, and no his, one it's figures not his first his first Disgusting. Radio. Yeah, piece of shit. Hey, um, wherever this is, y'all give him some inmate justice. You know, it's uh, every day that we're reading uh, or learning, watching, whatever, story after story after story where the impact of social media and the risks that these kids are, I mean, it... I'm as guilty as any parent. You got teenage kids. It mm-hmm. it comes in one year. The discipline it takes to actually put rules in place for your kids and uh, and taking the time to to enforce the implementation of those rules. Man, I don't have daughters. I mean, if I had a yeah. if I had a daughter that age, I just I, I I don't think you can put it in. I don't think you can have them on these. You know. Instagrams and and I mean they're just uh, they're being pursued so uh, so hard. It's crazy. Uh, um, a couple weeks I think ago we did a story about uh, Harvard uh, morgue uh, uh, inside the medical school selling body parts. Right. You guys remember that? Yep. Well, today I've got a story about one of their top customers. This is a Kentucky man who allegedly stole. Boom, Jim. 
This is a Kentucky man who allegedly sold stolen human skulls and other body parts over Facebook to customers around the country, and he slept with a head in his bed, according to the FBI. Mount Washington, Kentucky resident James Knott, using a profile under the name of William Burke, was allegedly advertising human skulls for sale as recently as June. The FBI learned that Knott 40, uh, boom, Jim, the FBI learned of Knot 40 through its investigation into an illicit ring of human body parts. Traders linked to the Harvard Medical School through its former morgue manager, Cedric Lodge, according to an affidavit filed in the Western District of Kentucky. Again, we told you that story about Harvard. Not would ship anywhere except three states, according to screenshots of two of the posts. Tennessee, Georgia, and Louisiana were apparently a no-go. One of the human skulls was advertised as having a, quote, autopsy cut and was missing a slice off the top. While not allegedly concealed some of his activities using a pseudonym and by sending untraceable voice messages through Facebook rather than text, investigators said he used a PayPal account under his real name to receive payments for the human remains, and that's why they got him. When the FBI, uh, FBI arrived at his apartment to serve him with a warrant on Tuesday, he was the only person there. When agents asked him if anyone else was inside, he replied, quote, only my dead friends. FBI agents located human remains, including, get this inventory, approximately 40 human skulls, spinal cords, femurs, and hip bones. The skulls were decorated around his furniture. Of. What's wrong with that decor? One. One had been wrapped in a headscarf. They found uh, another one in Knott's bed. Uh, uh, just crazy. They also seized two right. rifles and a revolver. And uh, uh, I'm sure uh, sex was involved. The search also allegedly turned up bomb-making materials and dozens of AK-47s and 308 magazines. So he's been really? charged with possession of a firearm in addition to all of the other crimes tied to the body parts. And uh, uh, you know, he sold some of this stuff for an awful lot. Uh, somebody bought the face skin of, uh, of a person from him for uh, $6,000. I guess that's what? That's a good deal. It's worth probably 10 or 12. <laughs> Goes for um, fucking face skin. What are you gonna do to that? Oh my god! I just, just like on just, in real time. I just this just happened. The remember this guy? Or what did he yeah, call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alien guy. Alien yeah, guy. Yeah. Alien guys involved. Alien guys been buying from was buying from Harvard as well. So oh, Lord. It, it looks like. That's Maybe yeah, he's some, got the spikes out of his head. Some of the yeah. work Alien Guy was doing, he was doing with body parts he was buying from yeah. this guy. This is effed up. We'll put Alien Guy up again and uh, and show you this uh, this uh, Kentucky dude. Takes all kinds oh to make the world go around. God. Um, what is your secret? Not will be not will be arraigned on August fourth. That should be some entertainment. I was gonna say. I, I was just thinking, man. I hope this shit goes to trial and they put it on court TV or something. So I can laugh at these idiots. I'm telling you, I don't get it. 
Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Well, look, I just brought you a story about, a, you know, these these attacks on these police officers are just getting out of hand. Right. I'm going to. I'm going to give you another one here. Uh, A sheriff's deputy died Monday after being assaulted in a transport van by a jail inmate who had just who he had just taken to the hospital for a visit. Wait, boom. I fucked that all up. A sheriff's deputy died Monday after being assaulted in a transport van by a jail inmate whom he had just taken to a hospital visit in Indianapolis, Indiana. Marion County Sheriff's Deputy John Durham, 61, died at the hospital following the attack. Now, the inmate, Orlando Mitchell, assaulted Durham while the van was inside the Sally Port or the fortified entrance of the adult detention center. Man trap. Man trap. Mitchell then stole the van and crashed into a utility pole before other deputies returned him to custody. Mitchell was reportedly in stable condition after being transported to the hospital. Indianapolis police are investigating the incident as an intentional act of homicide, you think? Mitchell has been jailed since September of 2022 and was awaiting the trial for the murder of his ex-girlfriend, Crystal Walton. Durham was a 38-year-old veteran of the sheriff's department. His survivors include a wife and four children. Durham's death comes one week after Tell City Sergeant Heather Glenn was fatally shot at Perry County Memorial Hospital in Ohio River Community by a man suspected of domestic violence. Uh, in that case, Sean Herbert, 34, was then killed by other officers. One of the deputies who took Mitchell into custody suffered minor injuries was treated at Did the same. Did you say 38 years veteran? Yes. Jeez. So he was 61. Man, gee, that's heartbreaking. Uh, um, it just, you'll never understand. Well, you, so he started when he was 21 years old, so, and he was 61 when he the, was killed. Uh, um, you know, just uh, the you, events that happened here recently, and 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 the the public show of love and everything. Uh, um, it's, it's these officers getting killed. It's just. Well, it blows my mind. It just breaks my heart. You know, this was this took place in the transport of a of an inmate, and yeah. you and I have talked about this on Bloody Angola. But when you know, one of the most dangerous times That's the is, most dangerous time is yeah. when they're in transport to a hospital mm-hmm. to an appointment to court, right? They, uh, anything time, like that. The time man. to get outside the wire. Yeah, yeah you got to be high alert. Yeah. So and this guy hearts go out to his family. Thirty eight. Years, dude. Thirty-eight years. God bless. Started him. when he was twenty-one. So, well, prayers know, for his family. Talking about hospitals and yeah, prayers for all of them. Uh, um, talking about hospitals. Listen to this: a top Memphis hand surgeon named Benjamin Mock, forty-three, was shot and killed in his exam room in what's being called a targeted attack by a patient who had been lying in wait. It should be laying in wait, right? Rail line, James. Line. I mean, oh, it's, oh, it's fine. Boom, Jim, who had been lying in wait outside for hours and threatening him for a week. Dr. Benjamin Mock was killed at the Campbell Clinic in Collarville, Memphis, at 2 p.m. on Tuesday. His killer, who had been lying in wait for hours, was taken into custody outside after fleeing. 
but has not yet been named. It remains unclear what the shooter's motive was, but Memphis TV station WREG cites sources from the clinic who say he had been threatening Dr. Mock for a week. There's a video that shows the moment police officers rush outside to apprehend him after searching the clinic. Dr. Mark Mock, 43, was remembered as a phenomenal doctor. Collierville Police Chief Dale Lane said, It's bad, it's horrific, it's terrible. And so this appears to be a one-on-one interaction that occurred within an exam room. This was not a mass shooting situation. Yeah, I remember Memphis was on that list the other day for, for mass mm-hmm. shootings. Dr. Mock leaves behind a wife and two young children. Just five days ago, Dr. Mock was heralded in the Memphis Magazine and by the National Medical Group, Castle Conley, as one of the city's top doctors in a gushing feature. Dr. Mock told the magazine just last month, it's never boring. This work involves treating sports injuries, trauma, cancer, and soft tissue defects. Now, there's obviously more to the story, and we'll bring it to you as soon as we learn. I mean, a hand surgeon. I mean, yeah. it's hard to imagine how a patient well, develops that deep a feud with a hand surgeon. At least uh, one of his hands was working because he pulled a trigger, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, crazy. I, seems like uh, there's a lot more to that story that we're going to be hearing. Somebody might have been doing something they shouldn't have been. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I mean, um, could have been. The doctor's reputation is is pretty darn solid there. Let's right. uh, let's hope that yeah. whatever we don't know uh, right. supports uh, that and continues that way. Well, let's uh, uh, let's revisit uh, our uh, the biggest creep uh, operating uh, boom, Jim. Let's go revisit our uh, our favorite pedophile creep here, Larry Nasser, in uh, uh, in prison because he had uh, we got a little bit more information about why he got attacked. So in the first issue of the story, um, uh, boom, Jim. My first issue with this story is the fact that this guy gets to hang around and watch Wimbledon matches. Uh, so supposedly he got attacked because he made some lewd comment during a Wimbledon match. I mean, these guys just pull out the big screen and, and uh, you know, watch, uh, uh, what is it called, tea at Wimbledon uh, together? Anyway, a, a prisoner suspected of stabbing uh, Nasser at the federal penitentiary in Florida said the disgraced former sports doctor provoked the attack by making a lewd comment while they were watching a Wimbledon tennis match on TV. Oh my God. The inmate who has been identified, his name is Shane McMillan, was previously convicted of assaulting a correctional officer at the United States Penitentiary in Pollock, Louisiana in 2006, yep. and attempting to stab another inmate to death at the Federal Supermax Prison in Florence, Colorado in 2011. So uh, McMillan's got a little bit of a track record of kind of doing these things. He attacked Nasser in his cell on Sunday with a makeshift weapon, stabbing him multiple times, 10 times, we learned the other day, in the neck, the chest, and the back, before four other inmates rushed in and pulled him off of Nasser. That kind of surprised me a little bit. Correctional officers assigned to the unit at the... uh, at the penitentiary, responded to Nasser's cell and performed what uh, officials said were life-saving measures. He was taken to the hospital where he remains uh, 
stable despite the collapsed lung. He's still not completely out of danger. Um, Cell doors on most federal prison units are typically open during the day, letting prisoners move around freely within the facility. But because Nasser was attacked in his cell, the incident was not captured on video surveillance, which is only active in common areas and corridors. McMillan, who's 49, told prison workers that he attacked Nasser after the sexually abusive ex-U.S. gymnastics team doctor made a comment about wanting to, quote, see the girls playing in the Wimbledon uh, in a Wimbledon women's match. There you go. Uh, the Bureau of Prisons insists that there were adequate staffing at the prison where Nasser was stabbed, uh, which is about 45 miles outside of Orlando. Uh, and though they say that, they are down approximately one-third of their staff. I, you know, I, I find that hard to believe on the uh, FBP because they are very, very well paid, and they they don't wear regular uniforms. They wear, like, uh, coats and ties and stuff. And I almost went there at, to work for them. I looked at it many, many years ago. And, you know, I don't know about him being not that understaffed, but him being in that unit, even probably he was in with, that's probably a pedophile unit or admin seg unit, protective unit or whatever. But watching tennis? How many hardened thugs watch tennis? But hey, he said that about wanting to see the little girls play, or wanting to see the the girls play tennis, and maybe that dude was a prior victim of sexual assault himself or something as a kid and took it out on him. Yeah, and he, maybe he was just looking for any one thing because he really right. wanted to yeah. to get them, and-, and he gets jail cred um, for taking out a, or trying to take out a famous inmate. Well, what we're bringing you next is what would qualify as a, probably the most bizarre story of the year. Uh, it's out of Texas. He's done some crazy stories. This is pretty bizarre. The case of a Texas man who was reported missing as a teenager in 2015 and found alive last week at a church oh, took an unexpected turn when police revealed it was all a hoax. This is the man was only gone for a day, but he and his mother maintained the roost for eight years by using false names. Prosecutors did not file any charges against Janie Santana and her son, Rudolph, who is known as Rudy. But the investigation is continuing, Houston police detectives say. They gave few other details about where they believe this case could lead. Santana's family said they suspected Rudy was not missing and blamed Santana for keeping him away for all these years. The announcement came a week after police said they found Rudy after receiving a call about a person lying on the ground in front of a southeast Houston church. Authorities had not previously said where Rudy spent the past eight years since he was reported missing as a 17-year-old who took his two dogs for a walk near his family's home and never came back. Now, 25, he was hospitalized after police found him last week and detectives interviewed him and his mother on last Wednesday. Investigators concluded Rudy returned home the day after he was reported missing, but his mother, Janie, continued to deceive detectives by providing uh, uh, false information and was adamant that Rudy was still missing. During the past eight years, Rudy and his mother had various interactions with officers. Now, during these contacts, fictitious names and date of births were given, misleading officers, and Rudy would remain missing, at least on paper. 
After Rudy was reported missing, Houston police and Texas EquiSearch, uh, its civilian search and recovery team, looked for him without success, although his dogs were later found. In the years that followed, there were several possible sightings from Rudy. One sighting in 2018 police responded to, uh, but they did not find Rudy, and the case remained open. A family member said her late mother, Rosa Rodriguez, had been living with Santana and kept telling relatives Rudy was living in the house with them. Uh, This family member was quoted saying, my mom would always tell me, Rudy's here, he's there, he's in that room. Santana claimed the person friends and family were seeing was not Rudy, but her nephew. Family members also accused Santana of not presenting an accurate picture of herself to people and of not caring about family members. Uh, Police Chief Troy Thinner said that when Rudy was reported missing, he was 17 years old, which is considered an adult in Texas. Now in his 20s, Rudy is a grown man. After police announced that Rudy had been found, Santana released a statement saying he's receiving the care he needs to overcome his trauma, but at this time, he is nonverbal and not able to communicate with us. She also asked for privacy. Very bizarre. I'm so glad you did that. Um, I had so many lifers from the Houston area message me about this story, and uh, I was going to look into it further, but I'm glad you covered it. That's just weird, right? You would think... Maybe she was getting some GoFundMe money or something in the beginning or whatever for help. But, who? I mean, he was 17, so I just was. I think. What's the logic? You know, I was thinking about this last night. It it seems like she was trying to keep him away from her family because they would ask her about it over the years because her mother would say, oh, he's in the house with us. And she would lie to her own sister, for example. Right. Um, maybe there was some some sort of inside family stuff going on, and she just didn't I mean, want her son around her family, and that was her excuse. I, I don't it's know. horrible, but families, you know, that's the only thing I can come up with. Strange shit, so very strange. strange. That is whacked. So, y'all uh, like Japanese food? Love it, Jim. Like, yeah, uh, Japanese. Food, yeah, I like, like Japanese, Japanese food. You know, like I like Japanese Chinese food better. But, uh, cuddlefish, uh, big big on they, cuddlefish. What was the puffer fish? Puffer fish. I was like, what is it? Like Finding Nemo. Uh, uh, <laughs> so let me tell you about this story. This story is pretty bizarre. Florida's Panhandle, y'all. So the owners of a Japanese steakhouse on Florida's Panhandle announced on this week. Boom, Jim, this this messed up. I'll cover it. The owners of a Japanese steakhouse on Florida's Panhandle announced this week that the restaurant is closing, weeks after an investigation determined some soy sauce had been contaminated with methamphetamine. Awesome. Right? right. That's not good. The Nico Japanese Steak and Sushi Bar in Pace was investigated by the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office after seven people were hospitalized after eating at the restaurant. Detectives said that two soy sauce bottles and unopened to-go packets of the condiment that were tested came back positive for methamphetamine. The seven patients were tested and treated at the hospital. Blood work determined they had ingested a drug, and the food was also tested at the hospital and also came back positive. You get scared, obviously, Santa 
Rosa County Sheriff Bob Johnson said. It worries you that someone may be tampering with food service and things of that nature. And no charges were filed because deputies were unable to determine who contaminated the food due to a lack of witness observation and surveillance footage. Jesus and Christ. The lack of surveillance footage? Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, it so, seems strange. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't have surveillance footage. Well, I, I remember the case I worked in Walker at Popeye's, and the guy went to the counter and shot his wife, and then she took off running and mm-hmm. cut her head off in the back door, and they had cameras all over. And I got him in the interrogation room, and I just lied my ass off. I said, bruh, got you. I got you all those cameras. And he knew the cameras were there. And I got the confession out of him, but guess what? The cameras, cameras work. weren't working. Yeah. Um, so, so it, why did they close? They weren't closed down by health department uh, or anybody. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, they had sure. seven people fucking... get hospitalized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, but, but if but it's... No, no, but, it, think, but think, it was two weeks later, but I get you what you're saying. Are you going to go eat that motherfucker? They well, probably if, closed because nobody's coming through the door well, and they couldn't I afford under, to keep it open. If I understand that it's to-go packets and it's... Soy and, sauce coming in from third parties. But, but, but it was some to-go packets, but it was also at least two bottles, right? So it's not just to-go packets, but bottles. So I'm thinking what probably happened is they were hiding meth and, and, and they got sent to the wrong thing or whatever. The You know, the, the, the cartel's a genius at how they bring in. They they can put, put it in a liquid form and get it to the United States and cook it out, dry it out, and, and have the stuff and the ice or whatever it may be. So whatever, the I'm thinking they're closed two weeks later because nobody's going to eat that. Well, anymore, and that right? that's the whole point. If you're a small business yeah. and you have seven, seven people, people in your restaurant – Get sick because meth was in your yeah, yeah in your packets food. whatever it was packets and bottles. nobody's gonna go there they're like what, what it's just what? a mar- it's a little marketing problem so you do a, so you do <laughs> a, a so problem. you do a promotion about different things you're gonna be putting in the soy sauce yeah, over yeah. the next few weeks hey we'll put but some gold nuggets in the soy sauce y'all come back yeah. actually I think them closing is kind of indicative that they're involved and it, like if this was yeah. if this was uh, they had nothing to do with it yeah. and just had horrible luck with a vendor or whatever, then I think they would be Either way, they would be fighting. I, I don't think anybody's anyway. going back to eat there. You know what? If I happen to be in the panhandle and they happen to reopen. Right. You're going to get you some. I'm going to get me some. Nico Japanese. Some sushi or some stir fry, whatever they do. Let's go to Maine. Such a beautiful state and such a sad story here um a father from maine has died after drowning in deep water while trying to save his two daughters age 12 and 13 who were struggling to swim in this deep pond henry brooks age 46 was spending saturday with his family at a place called seven tree pond in union maine when one of his daughters fell into deep water while she was swimming His second daughter, who was already in the water, tried to grab the first, but they got swept by the currents into an even deeper portion of the pond. Brooks and his son, who's 27, raced to to go save the girls in the water um, and uh, uh, after hearing the cries for for help, the 27-year-old 
grabbed a life jacket, caught his sisters, and brought them to a nearby dock. But when he looked for his father, he couldn't find him. A dive team later located Brooks's body about 50 feet from the shore at 7.30 p.m. The water was seven feet deep, uh, according to Maine uh, uh, Warden Service. Brooks' daughter, daughters and son were brought to uh, Penn Bay Medical Center for observation following the ordeal. Brooks' body was taken uh, to Hall's funeral home. Uh, the local community came together on social media to pay their respects to the father and his family. One person wrote, unbelievably sad, a great dad risking his lives for his uh, for his kids. True hero, rest in peace. Condolences to the family. Another added, prayers and my deepest heartfelt condolences to the families. It, right. This is but, so. It's it's seven feet of water. What, and wait, 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 you got me. You lost me in the beginning because it's ponds. I know. And it said they had a strong current in the ponds. I know. Ponds don't have current. That doesn't make yeah, any but, sense. But very, very, very common. And I was a lifeguard when I was younger, et cetera. But it's very common uh, for the people who are attempting to save the people that are drowning to get drowned. Mm -hmm. And because and, they, they're, you know, they're in a panic. They're pulling them down, pushing them underwater, trying to get another breath. But, the, but the son got to the girls, not the father. The father never got to the girls. Yeah. I don't know. So it, it is bizarre because when I saw Pond, I thought the same thing as you. And you know, went to a couple of different sources and local sources, and they that's how they characterized it. That's crazy. Sad. Horrible situation. You can now take off that belt and move freely mm. around the cabin. Bow high crime time. Bow high crime. All right, y'all. You ever take a plane flight and, you know, when you take those flights, you got a little bit of trust. You got trust in your pilots. pilots. Yeah. But you don't know these people. Right. You, you haven't checked their, you know, grades in pilot school. <laughs> but right. you assume they can fly a plane, right? Um, some airport police officers removed a pilot from the cockpit of a JetBlue flight departing Buffalo. On Wednesday morning, and conducted a sobriety test awesome. that indicated blood alcohol content more than four times the federal limit for pilots. Right. Yes, what is sir. the federal limit? We're going to get to that, Michael. We're going to get to Curious. that. The pilot, James Clifton, who was 52, was taken into custody by the police who notified of federal authorities and released him to JetBlue security personnel. When the pilot went through the security screening for a screening, a transportation security administration officer noticed he may have been a little drunk, right? So the pilot made it into the cockpit, but uh, TSA officials then presented him with a portable breathalyzer test, right. and he registered a blood alcohol content of 0.17. Holy shit. Now, the federal... Aviation Administration, FAA, bars pilots from flying planes if they have a blood alcohol content of 0.04 or higher, or if they have consumed alcohol in the last eight hours, yeah, period. period. Yeah, I need that part. 
JetBlue has responded by saying the crew member involved has been removed from his duties. He added that the airline has a very strict zero-tolerance internal alcohol policy and that it was conducting its own internal investigation. The flight he was scheduled to pilot took off more than four hours late. Right. Now, I, let me let me say this, and this this sort of uh, you know ties into this story, but not maybe not as as heavy. When I was at the Beau Rivage, mm-hmm. it was very uh, you know I didn't know. There were pilots going in left and right in the Beau Rivage and, you know, had their little uh, travel suitcases and their pilot's uniforms on. There must have been a hundred of them. I don't know if there was. It's got to be a convention or something. Some sort of yeah. convention or what, but, um, but I've been there a hundred times. I'm like, what? Why are there so many? Because there's not an airport near uh, that casino. So, airport's closest. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, to answer your question, point oh four is considered let, drunk. Let, if you're let, let me tell you this real quick, Mike. Uh, and I know I've told you all this before. Back in the day, even in the academy, when, when they taught you the drinking and driving part, that that they had um, a couple people in the class and drink heavily, and then you give them field sobriety and all that, and they gave them rides home. But so I wanted to do my own testing when I was in uniform. When I was off duty one night, but I was a lot bigger back then. I was probably in the two fifties, and the um, I drank I like a, I don't know a, a eighteen beers as fast as I could on a shotgun and stuff because I was going to Springfield. I was going to a police department. I had a cop that was with me. I was off duty, and I wanted to go. To, to blow on the breathalyzer and see what my ship would be, right? And I drank like an hour and a half. I mean, I pounded them, boom, 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 and maybe longer than that because I was so effed up, I was almost blacked out when I blew in the machine, and I blew a .16. Mm. So this dude, I don't know how big he was, whatever. You said he blew a .17? Yeah. Uh, That's a lot of alcohol. I mean, that's a, that's lot. a lot of alcohol. I, I know. I mean, if you hit point three, at when you arrest somebody, you automatically have to call an ambulance. And that's one reason I didn't write. I, I passed them off to the troopers, but because I had one guy I did bring in one night, he was getting point two. Point two five, point two six. I was like, motherfucker, stop blowing. <laughs> I'm going to have to go sit at the hospital with you. Yeah. But point one seven and getting on that plane. Oh. Been a hell of a ride. Been a hell of a ride. What were you saying? I see you doing some math over there. You can no, now I, take yeah. off that belt and move freely around the cabin. Yeah, I think my uh, optimal driving blood alcohol level is below that. That, but in that range, you know, I, yeah. I think driving is most fun at you, that kind of a level. Well, I'm just kidding. But, um, but, but flying a plane is like driving, <laughs> it's like driving a, it's like driving a car in a parking lot. I mean, you know, uh, uh 0.17 is ridiculous, but 0.04, I mean, well, no, but you got to consider he probably, that's, he's probably still from the night before. Well, yeah. I'm a, I'm going to be so, honest with you that I don't want to, Pilot flying me with any no, alcohol in his system. No, no, and I get that. But so I traveled all over the United States, like I told y'all. I'm sorry, different city every day and stuff like that. But the I would always stay at these hotel airports, and 
in the bars in the evenings, all the flight attendants, whatever they call them, the pilots and shit, they're in their uniforms and they're drinking their ass sure. off. But, but they were, they, they told me, I asked them, what's the rule on this? I think it was like eight hours, some, some, yeah, yeah, but they had time enough. But that's how they passed their time. It's how I passed my time. And when I was in a, another city and doing whatever I had to do for that day, sure, s- drinking. But, but, I mean, they, they must normally have pretty lax testing if that guy thought he could get away with flying yeah. at as bond, you know, I mean, yeah. as drunk as he obviously was. Well, he definitely, I mean, when you're raising flags going through the yeah, TSA yeah. check-in counter. Well, right. probably because they were robbing him as he was going yeah, through. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. they probably paid it's more, all a attention, distraction. more attention yeah. to him because they were taking $600 or, or, out of his wallet. Or he had vampire spikes <laughs> or yeah. sticks. That's right. Oh, I didn't know it was kinky time. It's kinky crimes time, right, y'all? This this one is titled "Meet the Horniest Couple in America." Hey, all right, here we go. Got to read this. A South Carolina couple convicted earlier this year of filming public sex acts on the Sky Wheel in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Were we just in Myrtle Beach? On the last no, that show? was Vegas. No, no, no. And we, we had we, a Myrtle Beach. Oh, Myrtle yeah. Beach. It was a, a, a sex and hotel. Oh, they kinky in Myrtle Beach. Right. Yeah. They'd be good, good on Myrtle Beach to be called. I need a realtor in Myrtle right? Beach. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Right. Uh, anyway, so the, um, they're convicted for filming public sex, sex acts on the Sky Wheel in Myrtle Beach, and they're accused of having public sex at another tourist destination. Five months after pleading guilty to having public sex on one of Myrtle Beach's biggest tourist attractions, Eric and Lori Harmon, 37 and 36, were booked into jail. Uh, The couple is now charged with engaging in sex acts inside a photo booth at the Garden City (laughs) Pavilion Arcade and, and on a residential front porch. Then they put the, uh, acts the videos up on Twitter, y'all. Mm. Can you believe that? So the duo was originally arrested January 16 by okay, Horry County Police. That. Yeah. After Horry County Police, I can't believe how many lookism, or maybe we do. Uh, we do. We do. The, the, after officers were tipped you have off. the Twitter handle as well? <laughs> yeah. After officers were tipped off to the video showing the couple performing sex acts inside a glass gondola on the Myrtle Beach Skywheel with in view of the public and at a community pool in the Surfside Beach area of Horry County sometime during December. It is called Horry County. Right? That is the best part. The couple recorded the acts and uploaded the video to an adult website. The couple also recorded and uploaded a video to an adult website that showed them engaging in sexual activity at a hotel. Now they can add blowjob and a photo (laughs) booth to that list. Both were arrested and bonded out of jail. And we're going to post this yeah, couple yeah, yeah, yeah. on yeah, the Facebook got, page. Gotta get his look so they're just him. trying so to make. They're see. just trying to make a buck. Just trying to make yeah, a I buck, mean, you know. Yeah. And they, look, here's the interesting thing. Uh, and actually, uh, Woody is probably going to cover this on the next Kinky Crimes. But you know, I did. I did some research on right. what women's biggest fantasies are and what men's biggest fantasies are. And it's funny how they're different. But the number one of the polled women, I guess they polled 100 women like they do on Family Feud, mm. was public sex. Really? 
you would never think. But that, yes, oh yeah. But oh, I thought it was we, probably, we did a show. Sex. Yeah, we did a show before where that said um, it was women wanting to have a threesome with two men. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gonna. Bubba I'm gonna. Is, I mean, you know, I'll make up a top ten men and a top yeah, yeah. ten women yeah. fantasies, and Woody will yeah. read it to y'all next week. Yes, indeed. The uh, public. So, so hey, that's you know who cute. you are out there, right? <laughs> yeah, ladies. Yeah. Don't act like you don't know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Reading all them books. What's your secret? <laughs> <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. That's today's Kinky Crimes. Well, that's one, a good one, I have buddy. one more comment on it, Kinky Crime. Yes. So, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm not a huge roller coaster guy. You know, those kind of uh, really. rides know. at Six Flags and stuff. I mean, I can do it. Uh, Ferris wheels really annoy me because you they go so slow waiting for everybody to load and you're yeah. up there suspended and they swing yeah. like this yeah. and then but when they're going I can't imagine anything that would be more awkward than trying to have sex on that thing <laughs> while it's while it's going around in the store. You know what I mean? No, I don't know. That's, oh, I I've, had, I've had sex in a lot, of, <laughs> lot more awkward places than the I think Ferris I need, wheel. <laughs> I need that Twitter handle to see the video from the sky because I have the sky wheel here. So what you're saying is Jerry Ann is completely wheel. safe if y'all are on a Ferris wheel. You're not going to try to touch her. Yeah, look, I, I, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 it's just, let's, let's just say the rules are very clear around what I can and cannot do. Ferris wheels would. So what do you call it? Unauthorized, unsanctioned. Yeah, so that, would be you, a, that would be an unsanctioned that would act. Definitely be a, a Mike unsanctioned. <laughs> we, we love you, Miss Jerry. <laughs> yes, indeed. She runs the show. Well, we got to get some banjos in. We got some banjos coming. And incidentally, Mike, someone sent me a longer version of that, so I have to just let it in. And, and they said you heard you wanted longer banjos. I did. He said that like. Like a hundred times, and Jim well, got, and Jim got this audio like a hundred days ago. I did I got it this week. They sent it to me too. Slowly, I just wasn't going to tell you about it. <laughs> oh, you, see, you're you're freaking worse. Well, you know, this is dumb criminals, but I actually think this guy's scheme was was pretty ingenious. Uh-oh, so. Uh, there might have been some executional elements that didn't go so well, but um, you're holding 47 pages. No, 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 this is <laughs> no, have no have no fear. Uh, so this is a guy in Florida who was arrested on Tuesday. Uh, I'm sorry. Now you don't think he's genius? Anymore. No, now I don't think he's from Florida. <laughs> uh, boom. This all happened in Madisonville, Tennessee, at a Walmart mm-hmm. where uh, a guy intended to do some shoplifting. And he had used this strategy successfully, apparently, in a number of other Walmarts. Right. His strategy was to take a baby stroller mm-hmm. and put a fake baby doll in the stroller. There you go. And walk around the Walmart putting items in. items in the old stroller and then act like his baby was acting up and he had to race out of the out of the Walmart quickly with 
the bay because they do check you at oh, as you're going toward the door there to make sure that slick. you don't have anything. So I mean, well, I don't think he, he needed a voice recorder. The baby screaming his ass off. So I don't think he's. I didn't think he was that dumb at first, but then I got a look at the fake baby. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and we'll post that. <laughs> what what do you hear? We here we going on? Are you looking at bets? I'm doing golf bets. <laughs> I'm you're, sorry. You're doing golf bets during I, dumb criminals. No, I just got an That's alert. That's unsanctioned. No, no, that is unsanctioned. But I, I just the alert just popped up. I'm actually winning. So I'm offended. I'm sorry. I'm offended. You got to boom that out. I'm offended. No, I'm not booming that out. <laughs> anyway, here's a picture of the fake baby. We're gonna we're gonna post her. But like a real baby. I was like, yeah, I mean, that would fool me. Like a real baby said that you would fool me. Idiots. That wouldn't fool anybody. We're going to post a picture. It looks like yeah, a real yeah, baby. We're going to post that. Y'all comment on it. Okay. Well, they got him. He was charged with burglary, felony theft, possession of drug paraphernalia, and other things. And he had been caught four prior times in other Walmarts in Florida, not in Tennessee, for do, trying the same scam. So he, 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 he was, was caught four other times? He was successful a few times. Well, and I'm um, pretty sure they, they, they passed that out at their um, pre-work meetings. Look, this asshole's going around the Walmarts and using a baby stroller. Yeah. Because that baby looks real to me. Be on the lookout. A bolo. A bolo is, as it's said. Baby, in, then, in the then he made off his stuff. Well, well, it's a, a baby he's got a good. It's a good binky. He's got uh, the baby <laughs> sucking. But I would have no, taken the next level. I would have had a screaming baby recorder and a shitty diaper. <laughs> <laughs> the shit diaper is actually a really good. Yeah, idea. Right? That would work. They stole what? They stole. Maybe they stole what? a shit diaper. People they love this stole episode. What me. is back? And this time this we're segment. out of New Orleans. Yours, Nolans, Nolans, Big Easy. The home of the Agno. Can't get away with stealing anything there. Well, police have arrested yeah. two suspects accused of stealing over 300000 in steel beams from a golf site. Oh, my God. Sherrod Champ and Troy Forrest entered the construction site using a semi-tractor trailer truck with a flatbed trailer and a white pickup truck. They breached the site's fence and dismantled four utility poles equipped with surveillance cameras, loaded up multiple construction materials, including large steel beams onto the trailer, and fled the scene. The stolen steel was reportedly recovered at a salvage yard. Uh, I knew I was going to have I'm like, what's the value on stolen steel? Yeah, so 300000 apparently. And yeah. Forrest was arrested on July 3rd during investigation into a separate incident and then he was rebooked on one count of illegal possession of stolen things. Champ was taken into custody on July 10th and booked into the Orleans Parish Justice Center on charge of felony theft. And the crazy thing about this is they had some pictures uh, that some surveillance cameras did take of these guys. And I mean, this is an operation. Right, yeah. They had like a 40 yeah, foot Flatbed hey, trailer, hey, and they you, got a crane. And what's like your the, local crackhead doesn't have access to flatbed trailers and and, right. and, and, and uh, knowledge uh, how to access the crane. Now, here's the problem for me. I'm now thinking about knocking over salvage yards because they paid the dudes three hundred thousand probably in cash. I need to. Well, no, they pay you via check. I know that. Because I brought some well, stuff well, to the salvage yard. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if it's illegal shit, uh, they might be doing it on the table. It yeah. sounds like maybe they, because they put up temporary stands 
for the golf tournament when the when the tournament's in town. Yeah. In, no, it, in well, this was structural steel, so they were building yeah, this is like, like a they were probably building a pro shop or something. But in, inside of you know on uh, a golf course, yeah. But I'm it's not that many golf courses down there. I don't know. Yeah. It sounds it it sounds to me more because they they build. You know some pretty major right. stands for the tournament. One, yeah. well, it could be. It could have been. I wonder if they stole all of that. But this looked like uh, because in the pictures you can see these. Are, like this is channel channel iron. Beans. So yeah. it's yeah, these are like red oxide yeah. beans. Yeah, the big motherfuckers. Yeah, it's, not it's like pretty bleachers. pretty crazy that you would go through that amount of trouble. But then when I saw the amount, I'm like, well, that's three hundred grand. Well, you know, I can tell you something. I'm not t- saying anything bad about those boys. Or the Dixon Mafia, because I'm guaranteed that's right. There's some organized shit involved in that. They stole what? They stole what? Steel beams. People, I got comments on 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 that segment all the time. So we we, we got to come up with the new WTF. Yep. And um, and this is at the end of this week. We're going to conclude, and we'll do the drawings. In the next week, we'll conclude and do the drawings for the uh, the fans, the lifers who've been leaving the reviews for the Daily Show. Yeah. So y'all go leave us a review on Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to it. Take screenshot it and send it in via social media, and we're going to pick three winners. Thank y'all for doing that. And uh, ladies and guys, check out. Uh uh, fabfitfun.com go to the go to the site and look at what these people uh these people do they're going to be a great new partner for us but i'm telling you my wife is uh, five years plus in uh to getting these four boxes a year and they are loaded with tons of great stuff that you pick um and uh, and have a value that's five times what you end up paying for let me tell you something i looked at looked them up um when you got us involved on et cetera, those products on there, almost everyone now, I, mean, I don't use feminine products, but almost every one of them on there I have seen on my wife's counter or I've seen a bill for from major re- retailers no, you, and stuff. People have talked to me about it. We're going to work on your eye bags. You've got you've got you've got hey, some eye bag issues, and they have got. I earn these eye bags. No, but yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get rid of yeah. the and the eye bags, I, and I'm gonna never uh, dye my hair. I'm not having facial surgery. And with the right treatment, you'll never need Botox on that forehead. We'll yeah. get that in, in <laughs> perfect shape. I don't give a fuck about you my want, forehead. You want to have those elevens or whatever it's called? <laughs> yeah. What of a pack of hot dogs? I earned them. Jerry Ann will help you. She'll she'll take hey, care of you with it. My day, I didn't need any of that. But for, for real, Fab Fit Fun, Fun is fun. it's legit, ladies. Y'all just go look at it, and the our, our discount is stupid. But this is not this is not bullshit. It's, it's legit stuff. And I, I know, you know, eighty percent of our listeners are, are female, and this is like that's top of the line merch. It's gonna it's save me. A, it's gonna save me a lot of money. Yep. Shout out to uh, Myrtle Beach. I'm, I'd love for a realtor to <laughs> con- con- contact Beach. me as soon as possible. I want to get on that Ferris wheel. <laughs> I, did, I did a lot of time in Myrtle Beach, but we'll save Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Beach. It's fun. not that impressive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, hey, we love it. The, um, anyway. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton with eye bags and, and a six pack. Well, no, they won't. You won't have eye bags yeah. as soon as you get your first. Uh, 
This is uh, wait, what we, Mike Agavino is my name, isn't it? <laughs> yes, you, it's your name. <laughs> For Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Peace. Shit business.